There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, welcome to Black Ticulate, a podcast series featuring UK young black professionals where we find out how they do what they do so you can too. Or not. After all, it is your life. (laughs) Hi guys, it's Ade here and we've got a couple of announcements. But first, we'd like to take a moment to tell you how much we appreciate you listening to this show and building a community that we feel, and please, I hope you guys agree, is raising the tide of black excellence. Everything we do here at Black Teculate is because of you and we truly rely on you not only to help spread the word, but also to keep us in check over the quality of services that we are providing you. Things like our podcasts, things like our workshops, as well as our events. So starting this month, Blacticulate really could do with your help. We will be hiring for a few job roles that might be of interest to you or perhaps somebody you know. If you head over to blacticulate.com and under the job section, you will see the vacancies that are available. Check it out. Please get in touch. If it's not right for you, then it might be right for someone else. So remember, do share, do spread the love. We just really want to grow this community and make it better and better and better. The other announcement that we want to make before introducing today's guest is that Black Ticulate will be part of the Shout Out Live Festival on August the 5th at Russell Square, London. Now, if you guys haven't already heard what the Shout Out Live Festival is, it really truly is a podcast festival that will be featuring people of color podcasters in fact we're not going to do it justice so what we recommend is you go to solivefestival.com where there'll be a full list of the lineup of podcasters as well as more information about the day so yeah just hit the pause button now go check it out welcome back i'm hoping you guys hit the pause button and went to go check out the website and how amazing does the lineup look right Got podcasters like Another Round and even The Brilliant Idiots, UK podcasters Melanin Millennials, Mostly Lit, you name it, pretty much anyone who's doing anything who's established or certainly up and coming is going to be there. But specifically, what Black Ticulate will be doing will be chairing a panel discussion on how to make a podcast commercially sustainable. And if you are interested, then please do go over to the site to buy your ticket and use Black Ticulate 5 discount code where you'll get £5 off ticket prices. Would love to see you there. Would love just for you to come say hi because it's really, really valuable. Just almost see you guys who listen to what we do. So really appreciate it. Go over to solivefest.com to go get your ticket. 
Now, today's guest is amazing, Ashanti Bentil-Jew. She's a virgin startup mentor and business consultant that specializes in the food industry. And no word of a lie, Ashanti knows her stuff. God, does she know her stuff. And she's graciously tells us how she started her platform, as well as what we ought to consider before starting a similar platform or specifically we're looking to get into the food industry. So without further ado, I bring to you Ashanti. Welcome to another episode of Blacticulate. For those of you who don't know what Blacticulate is, how dare you? How very <laughs> dare you? But Blacticulate is really and truly a podcast series that features UK young black professionals where we try and find out how they do what they do so you can too. So we've got a shanty in the house. What what? <laughs> Say what what at least. <laughs> what, what? <laughs> wow, okay, cheers. <laughs> that feels forced. Um, so a shanty, you're gonna have to tell my audience who you are. Am I saying your name right? A shanty Bentil Jew. Yes. What a name. Yes. Where's yes. that from? Um half Ghanaian, half Jamaican. Are we not meant to be able to mix when I say we? <laughs> We're talking African situation. I know, I know. I do get that Look a lot, that. actually. Yeah, mm. the Romeo and Juliet. And, uh, but that story ends badly. So. Wow. Okay, so tell the people who you are and then let's roll from there. Yeah, okay. sure. Um, I'm Shanti. I am a business consultant, virgin startup mentor. And anyway, I just love all things food and business, which is why I help people start and grow food businesses. You help people start and grow food businesses? Yes. Okay. How does one all of a sudden become a Virgin Media startup mentor? Yeah. Then going into the food industry as a vertical, teaching that. Was that always the dream? I wonder. So it's quite interesting. So I always wanted to be a barrister. A barrister? So that's what I actually studied at university. I went to do law. That was always my childhood goal. So never wavered from that. In fact, university was a doddle because of that. Really? Um, Yeah. I wouldn't say I worked during my degree at all because I just absolutely loved everything I was learning. Okay. Um, Which uni did you say? London Met. London Met. Yeah, okay. stayed local, DLR ride. So yeah, so went to London Met, did law, but by the end of the second year, I did know that I would not go on to become a barrister. Why is that? Because I realised what I really liked about being a barrister was the the, the self-employed element and the fact that there's a, a lot of variety. I don't know if they are now, but before you work for a chamber, but you have to kind of almost pitch for work and do all those so there was a really there was a lot of autonomy as opposed to working with a law firm and especially when you go through the graduate scheme and then you become Mm. a trainee you're watched 24 7 and from the very beginning they teach you how to kind of even clock your minutes to obviously get paid by the client and I'm not really a follower you have to be a follower to go through the grad scheme and go through the training contract period and I'm not good at that kind of stuff so I already knew that going the traditional route to become a solicitor wasn't for me and then I realized that with becoming a barrister that wasn't truly the whole essence of the role probably wasn't me and I didn't want to do criminal law why that as as an angle because that's not something you grow up thinking you want to be is it in terms of a barrister or just was it an environment is it your parents Um, are they into that so I was always very interested in the law because I like to know why things are the way they are okay So, you know, when you study law, you come to understand how these laws came about, where they come from, but also you start learning how flawed they are in terms of real life. So some people are dealt with very harshly by the law and other people seem to abscond responsibility. Let's let's be real. We're talking about people of colour here, aren't you? The law does not favour us at all. Or 
any kind of minority yeah. or I think underrepresented sector of society. Unfortunately, if you don't know how the law works, you can fall foul of it quite easily. Mm. And I'm talking outside of obviously breaking the law yeah. in its in its raw sense. But then there are other issues where I think because people have lack of knowledge, therefore they're not in control and they can't empower themselves. Ah, oh, you've got to give me an example. Because that is such a profound thing. Um, well, something as simple that struck me when I was studying law, for example, you know, if you don't pay your TV license, yeah. you know, that is actually, a, it can become a criminal offence. And I remember one lecture, the lecturer explained that the numbers of single mothers in prison at that time, because they didn't pay their, their mm. license, and obviously the, the knock-on effect of that is their kids going to care. So that's more actually burden on the taxpayer yeah. versus a £12.95 a month license. Was there no other way that situation could have been dealt with? Yeah. You know? So those things really did shock me. Yeah. Oh, wow. What were you like as a child then? Um, I, okay, so I don't, I like never had toys. And stuff? <laughs> you never had toys? No, I, I'm not really, I'm, you know, I was very much into reading. Right. Always read books and um, just worked really hard at school. My family are very um, studious right. and academic, you know. Where do you work? What school? What area do you grow up? So I grew up in Catford. Catford. South East London. All right, Catford. Woo woo. Anyone listening from there? Ashanti is your peace. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, just normal, regular environment. Of course, you didn't have toys. I just wasn't interested in them. My mum oh. always says that um, I just didn't play with toys that much, really. No. It was books. You'd give me a book and I'd finish that within a day or a day or two. Really? I consumed books at a very fast pace. And that's such at an early age as yeah, well. love reading. Oh, amazing. But again, I think it's all about power and being able to empower yourself through knowledge. Right. That's what I enjoyed about it because you were always learning something that helped me kind of move forward in my thinking or... And did you share that knowledge? Brothers, yes, siblings? I do. So I'm the oldest of um, quite a few of us. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, oldest of quite a few of us. And I was the only girl until 10, 11 years between us. So I was the only girl for a long time. Right. And then, um, so there's me, there's five of us in total. So my sister okay. is the youngest. So, right. yeah. So, was there any pressures? Do you find? Not really. Like, not because really. I, know, I know a lot of, I mean, like my sister's the eldest of three yes. of us. Yes. And she, she always felt for some reason, there this was not true. That she always had to look after us. <laughs> yeah, I'm putting her underneath I the bus. I guess there is a responsibility with being older, and I guess if you're the first child, your parents, is, you're a trial run to a large degree, <laughs> aren't they? So you could get the the harsher side or the lighter side, depending on yeah. where your parents are in their life when they have you. But it's interesting that we're all very different, and I think that that's a good thing. And because I did go a very conventional route, they don't have to. Right, gotcha. So it's like, forget it, you guys, you can exactly. be experimental. Do what you like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> at this point. Um, but so, yeah. So, so you get on well with your, your parents, how's yes. that? Yes, yeah, yeah, We're very family-oriented. Um, my mum has really been the beacon of that. She loves family and all that it stands for, but in the true sense. Is she a Ghanaian one? So she's Ghanaian and Jamaican, so oh. very interesting upbringing. So for me, it's been dual in many ways. Right, gotcha. Okay, well, here's a thing I normally try and ask my guests now. Okay. Oh, I'm going to, you know, it's a conversation, so I never really remember it. But I like always hearing stories about the first time you recall being black or other. I really have to think about that because I think that the first time I probably realised I was different, I think that's what I would say the feeling was initially. I don't think I necessarily realised it was because I was black because at such a young age, I don't think you necessarily understand all of the things that come with that. Yeah. But I think you remember feeling different. 
So I would say that would have been in nursery because I was the only black child in nursery. Right, gotcha. But I felt different because my hair was different and obviously I looked different to the other children. And it was when another girl came into the class who was brown that I realised how different I was to the other children. I see. Yeah. So you recognise Jane Kinnan and you're like, wait a minute. Yes. Yeah. So that's what I'd say is the first time I realised I was different because obviously outside of that in my family, I'm normal or yeah, for just sure. the same as everybody else. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Can we join the dots then? Because all of a mm-hmm. sudden you went to uni, London Met, to become a barrister. Yes. But you're not. I know, yeah. So what happened? Yeah, so I, what did I do after university? What did happen? Um, I needed a job when I finished the <laughs> university. So I applied to become an adjudicator at the Financial Ombudsman Service. So essentially, you're a dispute resolution professional right. in the finance sector. So what, you literally have to sit in front of two parties and just say, no, almost like a divorce lawyer. <laughs> In some senses, yes. Um, the customer or the small business would present their argument and all of their evidence. Yep. And then I would assess that argument and evidence, ask the financial institution for their response, and then make a decision as to whether or not we'd uphold or reject the complaint. Right. So very similar in many ways to the legal Precisely background that I had. Legal. It was just in a financial setting. Yeah. So I would definitely say I got kind of pushed to my limit in terms of you know public facing work because it was very customer service heavy right as well yeah you're fascinating because i still haven't joined a book so shanti tell me then post this because three years into it yes i assume you're probably financially nice and stable you're all good was it a risk for you to then decide you know what i'm gonna forget this and go on so it wasn't such a big gap because after that role at the financial ombudsman service i actually went to work for some bigger banks oh wow okay so i went deeper into the corporate world and that was a very steep learning curve for me because because the financial ombudsman service is kind of it's quasi corporate quasi charity because obviously you're doing public facing um work yeah and so you still think about ethics and values and treating the customer fairly whereas in a corporate environment yes that's what some of these institutions should be doing but the reality of being an employee in those corporate environments is very different and I hadn't really been in the thick of that before so that was a steep learning curve for me because in many ways I brought the values and ethics that I had into those roles but you're operating in an environment where not everybody lives by those values yeah (laughs) I'm smiling because, albeit you've been diplomatic, I just know these scenarios and these scenes. Can you extract any stories out there with names? You know, people can be very dishonest. So what I mean by that is in the public sector, there'll be grades. Everyone will know what grade they're on and they will know what objectives they need to meet under each of those grades. Some environments, they may have something on the internet, but in reality, that's not how it works. And this is why I'm very passionate about what I do now because I realised too late really the importance of personal branding right so I was very good at networking but the personal branding I did not create a brand for myself within those big banks and that's quite important in this day and age so I was somebody who was just very good at doing my job and that's not enough right okay so you can't just be a nice person you can't just be good at your job 
You need to understand how you build a brand around yourself in micro environments, i.e. your team or your department, so that you can leverage that to get promotions, for example. And so that's what the steep learning curve for me was because the people around me understood how to build personal brands, even though they weren't always very good at their job. So I was that person who would work really hard. I would pull that presentation together, move a project onto the next level and not get the credit for it. And Mm. after that happens a number of times, you have to ask yourself why and start analysing what the differences are between the people who you're sitting next to who really have less substance than you. And so I'm glad I did make that move from, you know, kind of financial ombudsman setting into these big corporate banks and really experience the reality of working there. Yeah, no, jeez. That's insane because have you, do you know who Neil Gaiman is? No. Okay, Neil Gaiman is like this, he's an author, He's a writer, and um, he has probably one of the best commencement speeches known to men, and I think it was called Make Good Art. And within it, he goes, it's very easy to continuously get a job, because all you need is pretty much two out of these three things. So the three things are be on time, do good work, and be liked. And if you get two out of the three, then you're always going to get a job, right? So you don't have to do good work, but if you're on time and you're liked, happy days. Yes. But if you're not liked, but you're on time and you do good work, you always get work. Yes, exactly. (laughs) But actually to elevate yourself, you need all three. And I believe that, you know, I was just having this conversation the other day with somebody else and I was saying that, you know, I think that there are a lot of um, initiatives and projects out there that are designed to help young people make a transition from school, university into some of these corporate environments but it's those elements that they're not teaching so they help you go through the assessment they help you you know get through the interview but what they're not telling you is the reality of actually working there it's those hidden invisible codes of behavior and practice that you need to understand very early how to leverage it's not good enough just to pass the test it's not good enough to be liked in the interview and I think that's why a lot of people are not surviving the corporate world very long because they they haven't necessarily understood those skills and how they can leverage them within themselves can you teach that? I think you can. And it, and it remains authentic. This day and age, obviously, the new gen, Gen yes. Z or something, yeah. they're just pretty much all about PR themselves in yes. the best way because that's all they know. So to me, that is their authentic self yes. because that's literally all they know. But for someone like myself, a slightly older generation, I almost crawl at the thought of putting my face out there like that out there and just showing where I am etc because like why why does that matter let me enjoy the experience then and then there's there's a number of elements at play here it just depends what your goal is number one because I believe that there is a way to walk both sides in a comfortable way Okay, I explain do. more on that, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Because so... you're teaching me here. <laughs> um, so I do believe there's a way you can do it by deciding and classifying what you're comfortable with other people knowing. Right. Gotcha. I think that's where it starts. It's like, okay, if I wasn't in the room and people were saying this about me, would I be comfortable with what they were sharing? Ah, interesting. Once okay. you've decided what it is you want to share then that's the image that you present on a consistent basis, of course, to build a kind of consistent personal brand. Right. That's how I... No, 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 that's absolutely perfect. I mean, I love that. If you weren't in the room and people said this about you, would you be okay? Would you be okay? If you are okay with that and you feel that that represents you fully, and, you know, let's bear in mind, some people don't mind negativity being out there about them. Right. (laughs) You know, they're not going to be bothered. And equally, that negativity may have been what's propelled them 
to where they are now. We know celebrities like that, where maybe everyday people would think that's not very positive, but they've been able to leverage that and elevate their brand. I'm with you. Jeez. Okay, Shanti. So we've now in a corporate setting. Yeah. What's our next move? I mean, we're always doing it. Basically, that did not sit well with me. Yes. I didn't fit into that environment, um, is the truth. And that's exactly what I told my manager when I resigned. Oh, was it a shock? Um, yes resigned? and no. Okay. I think they were shocked that I took control of that process. For me, it was the well-being side of things. I was not comfortable. I felt that there was too much contradiction in my values and the values of the people that I worked with on a daily basis. Right. And that was evident in the things that they would say and do to other people. Right, gotcha. So now that you pretty mm. much resigned, I feel like, F this, I'm out of this place. <laughs> yes. So this is where it gets interesting. I okay. went to another bank and that decision was the one that I made out of fear I believe now looking back probably some financial fear even though the interesting thing about life is when you look back actually nothing worse could have happened than you make up in your mind so I started a job that involved a six hour daily commute (laughs) and um Jeez. Yeah, and, and that's why I said I believe that decision was made out of fear and a combination of external voices right. saying, just take the job because it's a very good job considering you've just left somewhere. And people thought I was crazy to leave the place that I was at before. So it was like, well, you've gotten this other job. It's equal. Go for it. And so that's what I did. Wrong decision. Right. Wrong decision because what I should have done at that point is really act upon the self-reflection I'd done in that previous job and start my own business, which was something that I'd wanted to do for years. And, of course, I'd just been comfortable in a very conventional, traditional model. And so, yeah, I went into a job with a six-hour daily commute and I would not do that again. (laughs) That is insane. You know, but what it did give me time to do was say to myself, no, you need to draw the line now and you need to start making a living in a way that is healthy for you. And so that's how I transitioned into becoming a business consultant. I became a virgin startup mentor at that point. So what is that? Yeah, sure. It's a relatively simple process. You go through, you can apply on their website initially, and then you have to go through some assessment. Obviously, they ask you about your background experience. They do. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
but actually about your leadership style, your coaching style, who you think you can help the best. And then you go through an assessment and they come back and let you know whether or not you're qualified to become a Virgin Startup Mentor. So that's what I did. And um, that's what I've been doing. What's the benefit of doing that, though? Do you get financially? Do you get paid for? No, it's purely voluntary. Okay. Um, But for me, it allows me, obviously, to be involved in a wide variety of business um, and startups. So you can really be on the inside and understand what's happening. And of course, the coaching element is hugely rewarding because I am therefore building up my skills as a consultant in being faced with the kind of everyday business problems that my mentees are facing. And so from that perspective, it's very challenging, but it's also very rewarding. And I would recommend it's a good option. So help us out. You're a business consultant. Yes. For you've so got actual niche. clients now. Yes. And your so niche is within the food. Within well, the food. Food isn't necessarily niche per se, but... Yeah, so there are different ways that you can help people who want to start a food business. Okay. So my business is we have an element of group coaching. So I run masterclasses now on a quarterly basis. Okay. So if you want to start or grow a business, if you're between zero and 24 months in your business then there's a masterclass specifically designed so that by the end of that day, you come away understanding whether the food business is right for you. Right. Where is this held? So these are, at the moment, they're in London, but the interesting thing is we will be going UK-wide in 2018. So we will start... I always say we, because that's from my corporate background. But I do actually work with my mum. She works with me now. Amazing. But um, I always say we, because that is just literally the legacy of working in a corporate environment. And honestly, apparently it's something that we ought to do, the royal we, because when you do grow, then it doesn't become a weird shift in communication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, now this is an interesting point that I teach with my one-to-one clients, the personalization element of business is now ever more important. So people actually want to know who you are. And so, for example, on my website, I've had to change some of the copy to actually say I and not be in the third person because it's proved to be very effective. Doing things like a podcast, people are actually getting to know you. So that was a shift that I had to make mentally from the corporate environment when starting my own business. Yes. Um, That's okay. So we have group masterclasses. Um, They're one-day masterclasses at the moment. So if you're zero to 24 months, even if you are starting a home-based business, and I think this is quite crucial, market-based business, or you've actually got bricks and mortar, like a small cafe or coffee shop. So home-based business means you, you actually operate out of your home? Exactly. Marketplace is like market stalls? Market stalls, right. festivals, that and kind of thing. brick and mortar is like a retail... Environment, yeah, okay. exactly. So we've got group masterclasses for those individuals. Now, interestingly enough, there are some individuals who may have actually taken their business to a certain point already. So they may be in multiple stores. They may be really successful. They're generating revenue regularly in their business. And so I have a one-to-one service with them because obviously at that point, they don't need the fundamental kind of foundational steps. They actually need some bespoke help mm. at that point. So they're, they're looking at ways that they can continue to elevate their business. And maybe explore other routes to market at that point network is really important so i can share some of my contacts with them okay. for them to take their brand in different directions right. so we have that group setting and then we have that one-to-one consultancy uh, how did you build that process yeah. yeah so how it all started was because when i really reflected 
I always wanted a business and I naturally always wanted to have a food business. Why food, may I ask? Food is a massive part of my family. Um, <laughs> so, exactly, exactly. And also when I think about my family and I think about my mum and my grandmother, hospitality is a huge part of our family. It runs in our DNA. So yeah, I think I, you mentioned your, your fondest childhood memory was your exactly, grandma. Exactly, and cooking and time. Yeah. Exactly. And so those are the memories that I have of my childhood. So I always wanted to open a food business and use it as a hub, a base for hospitality within my local community. Now, you think to yourself, right, I've been in finance for so long. I understand what a business plan is. I've worked with small businesses before. I can do this. However, there are some nuances to the food business. (laughs) And this is where those two, the self-reflection for my corporate career started to kick in because you need a personal brand, you need network, you need community to build your business. It's not just about having money. Personal brand, network, community. Those are crucial elements. And so this time around, I decided, why don't I build a community around the food business, meet all of the right people, and then launch my business. Okay. Instead of trying to start a food business and then scramble to get the rest together. Yeah. And, and that has worked out very well. What are we now? We're 16, 17 months later. I've built a community of around 500 women who are all in the food and drink industry. That doesn't include the men that obviously are in the industry as well that I have contact with. And now I've got a good idea of all the different routes that you can take to market. I've got a good idea of the reality of what it takes to, to build your business up. And now I can start my business with a lot more confidence and the right elements. So I just kind of flipped I hear that. The model, really. So how did you get about having, I guess, your network of 500 people? It all started by looking online. I would literally just Google different combinations of words and brought up every food entrepreneur there was. And then I started putting them in lists. So I would look at, do they have a cafe? Do they have a food delivery business? All of the different categories of food business, I'd list them under that. And then I literally just spent time on LinkedIn messaging them all. Amazing. LinkedIn was your... uh... (laughs) Yes. So I only had a lazy LinkedIn profile, had no personal social media. So that's all I could really start with. And I would message them. And because I understood the importance of personal branding, so I didn't message them and say, I'm starting a business, can you help me? I messaged them and said, I'm interviewing food entrepreneurs to learn about how they do what they do. No doubt. And of course, they love to talk about themselves. Most people do. And so that's how the podcast show came about so i just used it as a way to dig deep and get under the skin understand how they started their business what were the challenges the problems yeah. and what advice would they give to other people who want to do the same you're sounding like black ticulate right about now <laughs> yeah so are you profitable do you mind me asking yeah so we are nearly profitable okay. now why are you not profitable <laughs> i see you doing it from the house and consulting so you. i've changed the model as i said i do the master classes quarterly now because before i would just put a master class on maybe every six to eight weeks but of course you've got to do all that groundwork in terms of content marketing that's huge to get people to trust you yeah. to know you to like you And so I needed a longer runoff period in between actually holding the masterclasses. And so that's why I moved them to quarterly. And that gives me like 10 and a half weeks to build up enough content, not only on my site, but in the networks and the communities that I participate in. And so that's where this personal branding piece really comes in. Now we're 16, 17 months in, I'm starting to see that come to 
fruition now. So we're starting to benefit now from building this brand within this environment. And we are doing it in a very different way because there are no other, in the UK, food consultancies who have a podcast show, for example. There are no other... At that. Well, that's a very good point. You know, I've spent quite a lot of time going to networking evenings and being dismissed or ignored. Um, I think a large part of that is obviously they don't know who you are, but at the same time, they don't see that very often. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's, it, there is no diversity from the consultancy perspective. As you know, in our culture, food is very common and popular. Yeah. The rate of food businesses that come from our culture is huge. Yeah, 100%. So I guess they're used to people maybe um, availing themselves of those resources, but not necessarily being the one to accumulate them, curate them, and then say, I have the authority and the know-how to actually teach you something. So it is very different. So I had to put a lot of groundwork in to build my personal brand curate the content on our platform so now we're seeing the benefits of that we've just literally listed two of our flagship masterclasses and now we're seeing that traction amazing so how are you doing that by eventbrite yes okay. yes so one of the reasons i've got it on our website but i put it on eventbrite because obviously it's a great search engine yeah, and guys by the way i will put in how to get in touch with the shanty <laughs> on our website show notes um, <laughs> as much as i can yeah so we have two flagship courses one is food media uncovered and that really is about, you know, there's a massive popularity in blogging, blogging. Um, but how do you actually make that sustainable? And obviously, I've learned the hard way how to do that now. So that's something that um, I teach, particularly to food bloggers, food stylists and food photographers. A lot of people are starting these things as hobbies. They do want to make them sustainable, um, but they're not sure how. And a lot of that is in the structure. Do you have a business plan? Are you building community? How do you ensure that you have a consistent flow of clients? I've learned all of that stuff the hard way. I definitely need to be in touch with a dear friend of mine. <laughs> she was actually a first ever episode oh, on Black okay. She's a phenomenal baker. Right. And us, Nastasha Lesengo, um, Zimbabwe born. Was she recently on... The extreme. I did watch. Cake yes, maker. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, so definitely connected. Yeah, yeah. Hey, not only are you both phenomenal, like you're amazing people. So, yeah, there's got to be a lot of magic because she's actually. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, so I might ask her <laughs> yes. if I need to edit this out. Yeah, she's going to be in season two. Fantastic. And for her, she wants to now know how she can leverage it. that brand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we hear the challenges, but how do people do what it is you do, but not necessarily within your niche? And so how do they become a business consultant? Yes. Um, I always want to give you the free reign and like yeah, just as much advice and as I can give. Yeah, that so, you don't mind sharing. No, and of course certainly not. will bring you back when people are like, Hey, yes. Ashanti was lit. Why do you, why do you ask her this, that, the other? I yes. have a food business. You know. Yeah. So you can come into the food business from any place I believe in terms of consulting and helping other people grow their business you obviously have to have an understanding and knowledge of the business side and how the industry works yeah. and how you make A become Z yeah. because people have a vision for their business but then what happens is that they realise that they have to make compromises so for I'll give you an example yeah, please. you might start making a jam in your kitchen and you can spend an hour making that jam with strawberries that have been hand-picked which are not you know genetically modified in any kind of way so it's this amazing organic jam that is just magic fair enough you can sell that to your friends and family you can take that to a market and sell it and still allow it to keep its original form 
if you want to scale that up into going to multiple supermarkets yeah. and for that to be manufactured, now that's where the, the gap starts because actually your original recipe may not um, cater for that. Yeah. Cater for that, exactly. So it's like, how do you get something from A to Z if you indeed want to be at Z? There are lots of people who just enjoy selling their jam in their local community yeah. and that's the way they want to keep it so it's those gaps that you need to understand and you need to have the networks and the know-how to help somebody fill yeah. that i would say is the, the difference between consulting in this area and you know a lot of my peers who are consultants some of them have niches within that so for example a fantastic consultant that I recently interviewed for the podcast, her niche is in-store market Name research. Drop. Name drop. <laughs> this is where we promote okay. each other. So Tessa Stewart. Hey, Tessa. Um, <laughs> yeah, Tessa Stewart. She has carved out a really interesting niche in that she does in-store market research, amongst other things for her clients, and she works for big brands. And so she stands in store and she will survey people and ask them, why did you pick that up off the shelf? And that is crucial information that a, a business needs to know before it spends a lot of money on packaging, for example. Because if the customers say, I didn't even notice that bottle, then you may need to think about whether or not your packaging really hits that spot. Yeah, for sure. So it's really interesting. So people carve out different niches for themselves, and then that puts them in the best position, I believe, to help a client. Is there anything else you want to throw out there insofar as how to start or yes yeah, so i would say is just questions. get yourself a good grounding in whatever it is you want to teach that is the key really to have credibility authority and actually make an impact on other people actually be able to see results happen for them because essentially that's what people are paying you for mm. there are no guarantees in life or in any business but you have to be able to say i i um, played a part i enabled you to be able to take your business from a to t if that's where you have the most power so in order to be able to give someone those results and have integrity about your business then you need to know what it is you're talking about and that's one of the things that for me i was largely underestimated on in terms of my peers in the food industry you know because what they didn't bank on was the amount of um, experience I brought from my finance background, but also the level of research that I do. You know, for example, when I interview people, I already know all there is to know about them that they have allowed to be right. put out there. Right, that's interesting. So, you know, and that's what I keep really talking about, do your research. You know, sometimes I listen to interviews where clearly the interviewer hasn't done any research. It's funny because I, I want to be equally as stunned and awed as if I'm listening to it for the first time. Mm. So, albeit, I mean, I did send you some questions, yes. but I don't, as you've noticed, yeah, yeah, yeah. I literally haven't asked you in the I way know. I've done. I mean, for me, that's my style. Yes. Organically conversational. So, hopefully, the listeners who yes. do mess with me, thank you very much, guys. I know you're listening now. You know, feel like they're part of it. They're so just I, sitting down with us. Yeah, so I think that's because of this context. Because when you're actually handing money over to someone, expecting a transformational result, you have to have enough trust and knowledge in them that they can actually do that for you. Yeah, for sure. Does that make sense? No, 100%. So, you know, because of the community that I'm building, I want to enable them, I want to empower them with as much kind of truthful information that helps them to make decisions in their business. So it's kind of incumbent on me to make sure that the resources that I pull together have integrity. No, 100%. And without a shadow of a doubt, I'm sure everyone listening <laughs> knows that. I mean, geez, you're phenomenal. So can we get to some light, yeah, light, sure. light-hearted fire questions that I always ask my guests? Okay, so this is going to be fun. 
What would be the most useless superpower? I don't know. I really don't know what the most useless superpower because I think that in itself is <laughs> it can't be useless if it's a superpower. <laughs> if it's a superpower, yeah. Um, so what is the most super useless thing <laughs> you can do? Um, yeah. I don't know. Okay. Um, what about what would you spend your last five pounds on? I've learnt after everything and how seriously I take life, I'll just buy a rum and coke. <laughs> nice. Buying a rum and coke from for five pounds. I don't know. I want to know if I had change I want to know your supplier. Or if I want to know your supplier. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my penultimate question, I guess, is: Do you see yourself as successful? No, you don't. Yeah. Why? I think that um, I don't necessarily believe in success, although I use the word obviously in some contexts. I believe in fulfilment. Because I think success, number one, is objective. I also think that the things that do, people do for success sometimes are unhealthy. And the example that sets to other people is not healthy either. But again, so what's your definition of success? Because you are right, it is subjective. Mm. But that's what I'm asking. Yeah, I think, think success is your... almost inanimate. It's linked to achievements, like block achievements that are very visible to other people. Whereas I think fulfillment comes from within. Because you could be fulfilled, but other people may not think you're successful at all. But that is success to you. So yeah, no, that's why I I was asking yeah. to you though, not what other people's Yeah. Because um, okay. you're absolutely right. I mean, like, there's an example used, for instance, Richard Branson, he's mm. one of the poster boys for entrepreneurs. Yes. But imagine if he actually didn't want to be good at entrepreneurship and building businesses. He just wanted to... He do, wouldn't be... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. From his own perspective, he's not successful, but from another perspective, he is. He is. Um, I think to... Yeah, so therefore my one is inner fulfillment and it right. is happiness and it's health. Right. Those things, for me... I feel like you seem fulfilled. Oh, well, you're getting fulfilled. Yeah. And I'm finally moving into that space, yes, there which is go. good. And I'm in control of that and I'm leading that. There so from my perspective, that's definitely then you are successful. success. Yeah. And last but not least, lady, how would you like to be remembered? Um, hmm. Just to be remembered as kind and loyal. Yeah. Because those are the two things that are really important to me. Kind and loyal. Yeah. Well, I hope, I mean, I barely know you and I'm very grateful that you reached out to me. No, thank you. And guys, I really hope that this has been an amazing episode. In fact, it has been. I'm not going to ask you hope. Uh, what I do hope for is the sound comes out all right because we are trying a new equipment and we're in a very loud environment. But you know, guys, I always try and do the best I can for you. And if there is anything in this episode that I've overlooked or missed, please holler at me. Please do. Just say, Ade, man, why are you always slipping? Then you get your guesser answer X, Y, Z. Or alternatively, if you actually do what Shanti does, but not necessarily within the niche of food, I'd also love to interview you, wonder what your processes are like and whether they differ or whether or not it's universal. So guys, once again, thanks very much for joining me on another episode of Black Articulate. Oh no, look what I almost forgot. I need to ask you, Shanti, how can we find you? <laughs> I'm going to have to chop this up. Oh, I won't chop it up. But no, how can we find so you? What, at, and when we do, what do you want us to do? Yeah, sure. So you can find me on Twitter at fem underscore foodpreneur. So that's F-E-M for mother underscore foodpreneur. Um, or you can come onto my website, which is femalefoodpreneurcollective.com. Guys, I'll put that in the show notes. And uh, when we do come onto it, what would you like us to do? Yeah, so drop me an email if you want me to help you in any way actually even if it's not to do with food um if you just want some advice about how to kind of move forward if you want to become a consultant or you are starting a business um i, I have a wealth of resources that i could probably email you so you can get started
I definitely will be uh, emailing you for sure because I could do help. <laughs> and I'm less than 24 months old as well. So, guys, once again, love you all for joining me. You could have done anything in the world, but you decided to join me and listen to another episode of Lacticulate. So, stay tuned for the next one. Bye. Hey, guys. Once again, we can't stress enough how happy we are that you took the time out to listen to today's episode. We would love to know what your thoughts are, what you think about the episode. So please do leave us a comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. And if you are somebody who does what our guest does, and there were things that we didn't cover, or perhaps you might have a different perspective on how to get into the industry, how to sustain it, how to thrive in it, how to kill it, then please get in touch too. Because the truth of the matter is, Blacticulate in an ideal world and We know that this is never going to be truly complete, but we would love to put a black face and have a black voice tell us exactly how to get into an industry, how to sustain it, how to kill it, how to thrive. And so we all can too. So if you're someone who does something that we haven't featured on Black Ticulate, please, please get in touch. Now, how do you get in touch? Well, you can reach us via email on contact at blackticulate.com or any of the major social media platforms. And it is simply Blacticulate. So we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, SoundCloud. Just give us feedback, help us grow, help us be accountable to you. So the quality is always better, better, better. You guys are the best. Hope you have a great day. And we'll see you in another episode of Blacticulate. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.